ברוך השם, you're a bad Jew. שלום. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bad Jew, the place where there is no such thing as a bad Jew. With me today is Zach Ferber. Zach, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy Friday. I'm glad to be here. Excited to, to kind of jump in. Yeah, I, I'm excited to have you too. And I wanted to remind the listeners as well, you know, there are thousands of podcasts out there. And within those thousands are many different Jewish learning podcasts. But today you chose this Jewish learning podcast out of the thousands that already exist out there. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for subscribing to the show, giving a review, engaging on our content on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube, wherever it is that you consume your media. I really do appreciate it. I want to welcome you to this episode. I promise you it's a fun subject. But Zach, Before we even get into the main subject of this episode, we have a right of entry into this podcast, as you are very familiar with. That is the Bad Jew Challenge, telling your life story in four minutes. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. Echad, time, shalosh, yalla. All right. Um, so my name's Zach Ferber, uh, born August 8th, 1994. Um, I came out of the womb with a little bit of trauma. My umbilical cord was wrapped around my throat. I was purple. The doctor decided to go on lunch a little late. So, <laughs> um, yeah, l- gasping for air still. We'll just put it that way. Oh um, but had a pretty intense childhood, um, beautiful childhood when I was a f- still, you know, the only child. And then I had my brother, my sister. Um, and not, not long thereafter, my father was diagnosed with uh, a form of blood cancer. So it's about seven, eight years of him being sick. Um, he actually ended up passing and then not even a year later, my mom was diagnosed with lung cancer. So another three, four years of her being sick. Um, my dad passed when I was 18, my mom when I was 21. So a lot of, a lot of childhood living that wasn't necessarily done. Um, I grew up in Orange County, California. So, um, Mission Viejo, Lisa Viejo area. So very, very fortunate to have grown up with everything and anything a child can ask for. Um, made my way through school as someone with (laughs) dying parents does with a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. Um, but, uh, really kind of pushed through that ended up getting into weightlifting and fitness. And, um, I was fortunate enough. My mother was able to make it to my, my first bodybuilding show, um, where I placed third and qualified for a national show. So that was pretty, pretty epic. Um, ended up going to college, started at UC Irvine was, uh, in AE Pi over there. Um, and then ended up graduating, graduating at Sonoma state. Um, I got a full ride up there and was pre-med. I did medical anthropology. So kind of a cool little mix, um, really wanted to go first into oncology and help people. So I started working with a nonprofit called be the match, um, which is like gift of life that you bone marrow registry for lymphoma, leukemia patients. Um, and I worked for a hospital in LA and I would drive around to different areas and try to advocate for patients. Um, shortly after I wanted to kind of make a more of an impact and I realized I can be in the hospital doing in the operating room. So I went into orthopedics, did medical devices, did trauma, saw some crazy stuff. Um, and from there decided that I want to get a little bit more in integrated into one-on-one helping patients individually. So since then, um, kind of transitioned to more of a, uh, health fitness trainer coach online. So um, really, really working to try to make an impact. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much the short of it. I don't think we hit the four minutes, but that's uh, that's where I am today. I'm now in San Diego, California, um, but who knows how long I'll be here. I've been lived up and down California, every every area from northern to southern. So I think maybe um, either the East Coast is next or Europe or somewhere else. So I'm always in for a good adventure. Um, oh, I didn't even talk. Grown up Jewish, um, went to Jewish day school, was in AEPI, uh, almost converted to Orthodox when I was in middle school. So I have a lot of different variations of, of spirituality um, and now definitely have my own little twist on Judaism. But um, yeah, I'm excited to be here, excited to kind of dive deeper into today's subject. Awesome. Well, I, I we actually have a few different synergies that I, I, I don't really talk about that often here on this podcast. I wanted to, first of all, say uh, thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with us. And I recognize that today's subject matter requires some vulnerability. First thing I wanted to mention is I'm also a brother of AEPI for the Beta Alpha chapter of San Francisco State. Back ah. in the day. Yeah. So AEPI to the day I die. Uh, the second thing is one time, you know, you mentioned be the match. I was actually matched. Uh, I, I was matched with someone. Oh, no uh, way. I received the email. I did the swab back in college. Yeah. Back when I was in AEPI. Yeah. And I was so excited and I was also a little bit scared because I didn't know what the process would take. And I was being prepped over the phone and it was a really exciting, wonderful experience to even have that opportunity to give a part of myself that might be able to help someone else. But what ended up happening was the patient chose other solutions uh, mm -hmm. rather than accepting my bone marrow. So it was it was um, really a beautiful opportunity. It never really did go through, but still even the chance that I had to um, give a unique kind of tzedakah uh, just got me really, really excited to be contributing to someone's life and impacting someone's life that way. And they told me as well, there's also a pen pal program. And I was excited to have this pen pal as well. Again, I'm happy that that person found other ways to take care of the situation. So that was really a blessing. So I want to commend you for your work and your philanthropy and, and your uh, your volunteerism. It's really incredible. Well, thank you for for being in the registry. I mean, it's it's so easy and simple. And the process now is is become so much simpler with just a blood blood draw. So it, it's pretty incredible how difficult it is to find a match. And the fact that, you know, I've been in the registry for 10 plus years and, you know, it, it's still nothing. So the yeah, more people, the merrier. So thank you for, for being in it and taking absolutely. the call. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and for those, and for those who aren't a part of be the match, please go check out be the match. I'll make sure actually to put that information in the description of this episode so that people can go and register and go donate as soon as they can for that, for that testing. Yeah. But Zach, we're not here to talk about be the match. Although yeah. be the match is wonderful. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about something, you know, I, I said, this is everyone's favorite subject and I lied. Sorry, <laughs> but we're here to talk about grief, right? I, I think grief is just something natural that, that humans do. If, if someone dies or if you lose something, you will grieve it. Mm. But from the Jewish perspective, we have different ways and in, in, in even a context behind grief. And I wanted to ask you, how do Jews grieve? Mm. Yeah, no, I um, <clears throat> being through several different losses has given me kind of a different lens on right? It's like anything, you mess it up the first time, you, you try it differently the second time. And I really don't think there's any way of messing it up. But I do feel Judaism has a very strict window on grief. You know, you sit Shiva, you really go through, you know, that grieving process. I mean, 
gosh, the, the burial process is ludicrous on its own. Just the fact that they have to be in the ground two days after the body expires, right? That it's, it's very regimented and it doesn't, you're supposed to feel, 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 you know, you tear your clothes, you grow the beard. It's very structured. And then it's like, okay, you move on. Right. And, and that was really, that that's a really difficult concept, I think in general, right. Because it's, it's not so simple. It's not like, okay, you do follow these steps that Judaism says, and then you get through it. It really, it rubbed me the wrong way the first time because it was, it was so forceful into, okay, you got to feel, you got to express it. You got to go through it. And then you, you got to end it. And to be honest, you know, no one knows what to say in these scenarios, right? Like we had, they used to ask if my dad was the holiest man <laughs> out there. Cause I was involved with Camp Gun Israel and all these other Chabad ventures. And so they, there was a rabbi at his bedside 24 seven when he was at city of hope. So they all had this vision of what grieving looks like, what death looks like, what we're supposed to go through as a family. And it almost felt like shoved down your throat. So I think there's that aspect of Judaism where it, it really can be a lot, especially for someone who just, you know, you just lost someone, you're grieving that. But on the other, other end, I think that structure is beautiful too, because it, it gives you permission to have that space, to have that time, to take those hours to really feel, you know, as, as a society, I won't get too deep into it, but we do a great job of kind of negating our feelings and, and bulldozing over them. And this is a time to say, I'm not okay. I'm ripping my clothes. I'm growing my beard out. I'm, I'm not cooking dinners. I'm letting people bring me things. Like I need, I need to be taken care of right now. Um, and I think that's, that's beautiful. So you can look at it either way. I think there's pros and cons. And when you're going through it, obviously you're going to want, you're going to want what you can't have, which is the person back. So, yeah. um, but, but I do think, you know, compared to some of how I see my other friends go through grief, the Judaism, the Judaism process is a lot swifter, a lot quicker to get the body on the ground, to have some beautiful ceremony around it and to really celebrate life. It seems more of a celebration of life and then the sh sitting of Shiva to really celebrate the life and say the mourner's Scottish and, and to feel, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I will also add that, you know, we just did an episode on um, how Jews view death. And I think you mm -hmm. covered a lot of the themes. I'm actually going to share a piece of source material from the previous episode that was very relevant. If you heard me clicking behind it, it's because I was quickly uploading it to be able to share as well. But from the Jewish virtual library, these are the different phases of that regimented morning process that Zach was describing here with, you know, the Sabbath that occurs during the Shiva period counts toward the seven days of Shiva, but is not observed as the day of mourning. You actually, the next period of the morning is known as Shloshim, third, because it lasts the 30th day after burial. During that period, the mourners do not attend parties or celebrations, do not shave or cut their hair, and do not listen to music. The final period, formal mourning, is Avelut, which is observed only for a parent. The, this period lasts for 12 months after the burial. So it is, and, and, and part of that, by the way, is the mourner's Kaddish, which is, which is a, a prayer that we have here. So th there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, like you said, it's very regimented. Now, I like the way you went about it because you talked about the pros and cons of it, and you talked about some of the different perspectives of it. So you're actually adding um, a third dimension uh, to what the, what, what was spoken about in that previous episode, which I think is really great. So mm. you could even call this a part two, if you will, which is really <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I wanted to ask you, 
let's pretend you were the king of Judaism just for one second, right? There's no such thing. I'll put my uh, crown on. Yeah. What? what was that? I said, I'll put my crown on. Okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll put your crown on, right? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So <laughs> if you could, if you could decide on how exactly or, or what the right way is to mourn a loss from the, from a Jewish perspective, what would be the right way then? Mm. I think it's a, a tough question to answer and, and mostly because grief looks different for every individual. So I do like the st structure. Like I do like the, you know, to me putting, you know, burying the body as quickly as possible and, and going through the service, I think it, it forces you to really get through the tough, the really toughest part. So I, I do like that aspect personally. And I, I do like the aspect of sitting Shiva with people and, and feeling into things. You know, I think if it's more of like a loose guideline and then to be able to express the way that you need to express would be, would be beneficial. But I really th think it's, it's hard to prescribe, right? It's hard to prescribe because every, every, every death is different. Every way of grieving is different. It's, you know, just like you said, like a child grieving a child, I cannot imagine what my grandparents went through losing my dad or my mom or their, my mom. Right. So it, it's a different form of grief than it is for you to lose someone who's, you know, 97 had a beautiful life and is, is ready to go. So I, I don't know that I have a, a great answer for you an answer you want, right. but I, I really, for, for me, right. The biggest thing was getting in touch with my feelings because mm -hmm it was so easy to negate them at the beginning and just say, okay, I'm going to follow this strict pattern. I'm going to take care of, I have younger siblings. I'm going to take care of my younger siblings. I'm going to orchestrate the, you know, whatever, selling the house, the family, the, the estate sale, all that, all the stuff that comes along with everything. And that's the, that's the grieving process is the shed, right? Where if, if I was the, the king of Judaism, I would say, you know, stop, stop, wait, feel, speak to someone, go. I mean, my, my rabbi was incredible during that time. Um, shout out to, to Rabbi Zevi over at uh, UC Irvine Chabad when my mom passed for just being so present, checking in, being, being there. You know, we didn't have the tightest connection before. And it really showed that, you know, that th these people are here for you. The Jewish community is here for you. So if, if like I said, if I was the, the, the king... I would definitely say spend time with the community, spend time being held and being being seen in that in that pain, um, because there's there's so much beauty and vulnerability in that, and it'll create those closer relationships as you move through it. Right. Yeah, I think that's really beautifully said. I really like how you uh, phrased it, and I really appreciate you indulging my little thought experiment. It might seem like a silly question, but I ask because you know when looking at traditional Judaism. I, I sometimes struggle even with how regimented certain aspects are. You know, when I pray in the morning and I do my morning shachri, my morning prayer, mm. I'm not following every step of that entirely um, by the book. Mm. But based on my intention, right, based on that kavanah that I have implemented into that morning experience, I am wrapping tefillin, mm. I am reading the Shema, but uh, my, my personal prayer is then what follows the Shema, and that's the entirety of my Shachrit, right? Mm -hmm. Some would say that that is not the right way to go about it. And I would say, well, 
the intention really overlaps everything. I'm not doing this for looks. I'm not doing this for show. I'm doing this to center myself and almost have my morning meditation, right? So I, I'm familiar with going off plan, mm. you know, going off the track. Mm. I, I think that's, I think that, 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 it, that I like the way you put it. I, I still think it's, it's, it's Jewish the way that, that you would go about it, the, to stop and to, to feel, mm. and to let it feel. For, for Torah context, by the way, you know, from, this is from the Jewish theological uh, uh, seminary here. This is the context of mourning in that this is what this is this is them talking about the first time mourning was really brought or grieving was really taught in the Torah. Aaron's death is more well known, an influential leader and the first high priest. Aaron merited a public ritualized mourning. God prepared the people for his death by instructing Moses to enact the transfer, the high priesthood from Aaron to his son Eleazar. The three men ascended Mount Hor where Moses stripped Aaron of his vestments and dressed Eleazar in them. When only Moses and Eleazar descended from the mountain, with the latter dressed as high priest, this signaled to the people that Aaron had died. And then the Torah tells us that all people bewailed his death for 30 days. Aaron was the first biblical figure about whom we are told that the people mourned for such a period. Hmm. So I thought that was really intriguing. But then they followed this up with the story of Miriam. Hmm. And I'm not going to read this whole thing here, mm -hmm. but they, you know, we associate Mir Miriam with water. And what this part of the text says from Numbers 22 through 5, it explains that, you know, Miriam's association with water, they had made a parallel between Miriam's livelihood and everyone's ability to stay hydrated in the desert. And after Miriam had died, they were saying that there was a drought that they had lost the water and that Miriam's energy came from that water, which I thought was a really fascinating, unique concept. You never hear that kind of association so strongly tied together. And then it goes on to say that mourning and grieving someone is like being thirsty. It's, it's like, it's like not having that access to water. So it added further context to this. And I thought it was really beautiful here for those who are watching an Apple podcast and Spotify. I highly recommend you check out the YouTube channel so you can see the specific text here for what that says. I just mm -hmm. thought that was very interesting. The way that the Torah first describes grieving like thirst. Mm. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I mean, like what resonated for me here was the, it, there's no, like, it's not like there's the 10 commandments of grieving here, right? It's just such a, cultural phenomenon of how we've created based off past experiences. And I think Judaism in general is that. And to me, that's, that's where I identify most with Judaism in general is the struggle, the plight, the, the rituals, the everything that we have done to kind of transform to where we are today. Like, um, and I think grieving is, is no different, right? Like we, it's not saying, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. It's saying, there was so much pain and sorrow. It felt like, you know, the water had dried up. And, and I think that's really, really real. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know how to explain that. And especially, you know, we, we don't have to go into this too much, but the, the masculine version versus the feminine version here, you can definitely oh. see, right. The masculine version. Oh, they came up and then they came down and he was dressed and it was, you know, okay, we're going to mourn, but we're, you know, we know what's going on. Whereas the feminine at the last line, it said they didn't know how they're going to get through it. So there's, I think there's that, deeper connection to, to the feminine divine, whatever you want to call it. Right. And that motherly influence that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It was definitely harder to lose my mom than it was to lose my dad. 
not that it, they both didn't mean something to me or is one wasn't harder, but I think this also expresses the, the duality of, you know, mother versus the father as well. Well, yeah. And I, I would say that the relationship that we have with our mothers in many ways can feel more, can, can, can feel more relatable to the relationship that we have with God, mm. perhaps the lack thereof, because, mm. you know, both, a mother and God are creators. Hmm. Father just holds traditions in the in the house according to tra traditional Jewish law, right? So I think that that it's 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 quite interesting to think about the genders. I actually was not thinking about that at all. The difference hmm. of how the genders are treated in that. Maybe that's because I'm sexist. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> you know, uh... <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Tune in next week for. Uh... <laughs> I just canceled myself. Look at that. Yeah. But. What I what I want to say, what I want to say though, is that it, it is very interesting to think about how uh, the different energies will impact us, and and how that will devastate us in different ways. I know that it's been years since your mother and father have passed. How many years now was it that your mother passed away? Yes, yeah, so my mom was in 2015. So wow. December is coming up on uh, oh gosh, eight eight years now. No, wow. may her memory be a blessing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And it, it is like, that's, I think that's, that's part of it. Right. As even, even here you see in the text, like finding ways to move forward and grieve and still keep them alive. Um, I mean, every time we talk about Miriam or, you know, it, there's a, there's a verse about her, a biblical verse, you know, it, it's keeping her memory and her alive. And I truly, truly believe that. So, but yeah, eight, eight, nine years for my mom. And then my dad was 2011. So right. 12, 13 years now. Which is crazy. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious then. Now it's been, you know, eight years for you. It's almost been eight years for your mother. And it's been, you know, even longer for your father. Hmm. Just because I'm bad at math, right? Um, <laughs> I am too. Yeah. <laughs> I I wanted to I wanted to ask you, are you still grieving? Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, every every single day. Um, it's interesting you brought up your 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 prayers. I, I do the Shema at night before bed every single night, but it's very much the same the same uh, you know vibe that you said, where it's like the intention behind it. Because I'll start the Shema with a prayer that my my mom taught me, which was in English. It wasn't like a Hebrew prayer. It was just kind of like a little rhyme, and then we would say what we were grateful for before bed. And I remember that as a child. Um, Wow. Can you share that with us? That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another day has come and gone. Another night has come all through this day. I have been blessed with love, health, and home. God bless. And then you go through and say what you're grateful for. You go through and talk about people that, you know, you want to give your heart to or, or think about, and then you would say, amen. And then I would go into the Shema and the Behafta. And, um, so I do that every single night. Um, and it keeps her alive. Um, and, uh, very on par with the name of the podcast, Bad Jew. I uh, I don't know if anybody saw this. this is my yurt site candle from when my father passed. So it I haven't burnt it, <laughs> which you're supposed to light it uh, when they pass and let it let it flame out. But I have held on to it, and I feel a weird connection to it. And um, every time I see it or I keep it there, it's to remind me to give me the strength to to keep going. So wow. I, I think about them daily. Um, and I think every day has different challenges when it comes to grieving. Uh, so, you know, it, all of a sudden it can hit you like a wave, like you see something you remember and boom, you're transplanted back into those feelings. But 
Um, I also think it's a gift, right? Because they, the experience, everything that's happened has put me right here in front of you, talking to you guys, having these conversations. So um, I feel very privileged and lucky in a, in a strange way. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you for sharing and being vulnerable and for giving that personal connection to uh, grief and what you described. And again, just to acknowledge what the first thing that you said on this podcast when it came to grief is that grief is regimented mm. from the Taurus perspective, mm. uh, or at least the, the written way to do it, the how-to, right? Mm -hmm. But you've gone off that regimen. The Orthodox would phrase that as off the derech, right? Mm. Off the road, right? And you continue to, gr to grieve. And I mean, do you feel that that is healthy? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's a really good question. I don't, I don't know that it's, I mean, yes, it's, it's healthy, <laughs> but I don't know if it's the question it should be, is it healthy or unhealthy to still feel? I think the question is like, are you able to allow yourself to still get to those feelings and to still connect to those? Or are you blocking them out? Because in reality, right, every experience that we have has, you know, marked us in some way. And death is probably one of the biggest, right? As, as animal, as biological beings, like we try to stay away from, from things that are going to kill us or things that scare us. And death is the biggest impact that we can have in our lives. So if you're pushing that away and not confronting it or feeling it, I would argue that could be unhealthy, but I'm sure, you know, there, there are people out there that would argue like, and I've had people tell me like, hey, it's been X amount of years. It's time to get over it. It's time to stop feeling those feelings. And um, it's very easy to be on the outside and think you know something. I, it always shoots me back to, the, to like the funerals and people saying, I know exactly how you feel. And in reality, sadness to me could be something completely different than sadness to you. We have no way of validating. So... Healthy, unhealthy, I think at the end of the day is is very independent on you. Like if if you're depressed every single day, you're not getting out of bed, you're not coping, then then it's probably an unhealthy way of thinking about things. And you should talk to someone and work through these feelings so that it's lessened. But if you have bouts of feeling, oh my gosh, I miss I miss my mother, I miss my father, I miss my brother, whoever you lost it's very healthy to keep them alive and to, to talk to people. And I would, I would advocate that you should have somebody you can call or have somebody you can talk to and, and work through these feelings because bottling them up and trying to stomp over them is, is going to eventually lead them to building up later in life. So yeah, to answer your question, I, I, I do think it's healthy. I do think it's healthy to continue to feel into things and get a deeper perspective of, of what those feelings are. And I want to, I want to, again, thank you for the vulnerability and for you sharing me asking if it's healthy is not a challenge or me trying to scream to you, you need help. What I'm, what I'm, I, I asked, you know, intentionally blunt questions for the sake of learning. And, mm. you know, I think that in the same way that we have the free will to practice the prayers, how we want to, while mm. being God conscious, you know, if we do really, if we really do believe in the Torah, but we're still, you know, not practicing everything by the book. Mm. I, I wanted to just share that that it, that 
I think free will, the free will that God has given us takes precedent. And I think that the way that you have described it and the way that, you know, there's an intention behind all of this and Mm -hmm. that there is a way to monitor and there's a way to use your community to support you as well and to lift you up and to empower you. You even acknowledge that at the very beginning of the episode is absolutely essential. And without it, we would go insane and we would not be healthy. So I want to, I want to commend you for finding your, your route for health while still keeping in touch with the Torah and keeping your parents' names alive. I think it's really beautiful. I want to thank you again so much for being on this podcast to talk about grief and to be here to, you know, discuss this sensitive subject, you know, for those who would love to connect with you, perhaps discuss grief, just perhaps, you know, use your coaching and your training to help (laughs) elevate their lives. What is the best way for them to connect? Yeah. So best way to get a hold of me and uh, I'm, open to talk to anyone about grief, loss, anything really, if you're struggling, like, please, please reach out, um, is to find, you know, you should see the banner below, just find me on Instagram, um, my first name or at my first name, underscore the last name. So Zach Ferber, um, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to spend time. Um, you know, last thing I'll leave you with is like, you know, speaking on community, I still am so grateful for Jewish Federation, Jewish Family Services and, the JCC who got my family through everything and it wouldn't be without talking to people and people really caring um, and sharing my story, I think took, took a lot. I got, I was lucky enough to uh, be a part of these amazing events at the Grove where they'd sell out and I'd go speak on stage. And I think that took a lot of power uh, away from the story and created an individual. So please share your story, be vulnerable, be, be, be out there. And if I can do anything to support, please reach out. Um, and I'm happy, happy to be a resource. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Zach, for being on this podcast, for engaging with us. For those who are interested, you know, this question was asked by the Bad Jew WhatsApp community. If you are interested in engaging in the Bad Jew WhatsApp community, please do email me, badjewpod at gmail.com. You can also go to the link tree and fill out our community intake forum where you can go and sign up, engage in daily activities and questions and prompts and also be able to ask your very own questions and have safe space where you will not be judged for not knowing certain concepts in Judaism. So I want to thank you, Zach, again, for being on this podcast. You came on here, talked about a not so easy subject. And, um, you know, seriously, it was, it was a beautiful talk. So thanks for being on Bad Jew. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks for creating this forum, man. It's, it's uh, affecting more people than you know. So thank you for what you do. And Yeah. Amen. All right. We'll see you next time on Bad Jew. Shalom.